0: Hello and welcome to the Aligned Leader podcast. I'm Daniel Jordi and I'm your host. And on the Aligned Leader, we feature some of the most cutting edge technology CEOs and digital executives in Switzerland in order to empower next generation entrepreneurs to cut their learning curve and in order to establish Switzerland as a global digital innovation hub. Welcome to the show today. Today I have Christina Reason on the show, and she's the founder of We Are Play Lab. And um, we met a couple of years ago when uh, you were still at Evernote uh, in, church, in charge of EMEA, basically. And uh, immediately from day one when I met you, I knew you were all about education, and you are just an entrepreneur that's about to um, you know, onboard on your own venture. And uh, it's really exciting to see uh, what's been happening over the past year. So I'm very, very excited uh, to dive into this. So... Um, As an introduction, um, tell us a little bit about who is Christina and what's your story that got you to where we are today?
1: Hey Daniel, it's great to catch up. Long time, no speak. Thank you so much for this opportunity. Very excited to have a chat about entrepreneurship and to go back to your first question, who is Christina? Well, I would describe myself as enthusiast by nature and lifelong learner by design. I'm a curious mind. I did not shy away from trying and exploring different things in my life. I don't like the one-way street kind of approach to life. I really like to embark on exciting, challenging new adventures and work together with brilliant people. And this approach to life led me to move from Evernote to becoming a founder and to jump on other interesting projects. So I'm a curious mind.
0: I love that. So tell me a bit more about um, your story. I mean, uh, Evernote is part of your story. Uh, now We Are Playlab is part of your story. So tell me a little bit about you know, the, the, the story that um, led you to also become an entrepreneur or not just become an entrepreneur, but uh, more about starting your own company and also before a little bit about you know, your journey.
1: In retrospect, I realized that I've always been an entrepreneur because I always challenged the status quo. I was, though, afraid because I tried to fit in. I I was trying to be... The the good girl trying to, you know, please everybody and make sure that I'm following what society tells me to. But so it happened that I arrived in Switzerland and basically I had to press the reset button on my life because my university diploma was not recognized. And in Romania was, um, you know, where I was born and I was working at a radio station, Um, again, coming here. The fact of working at a radio station doesn't mean anything. And the fact that you speak three languages doesn't impress anybody. So you have to reconsider everything you're doing. And at that time, it felt like a daunting task. It felt like my life was over. It felt like I will never be able to convince people of my potential. But at the same time, now again, in retrospect, it was a huge opportunity. Because this is when I realized that, hey, life is not about fitting in. It is about taking opportunities and being brave and trying different things and just leaving the fear aside i think the best decisions are those who are not made because you're afraid or something or you're ashamed or something it's because you're following what's in you deep down inside and somehow i found the courage to follow that and um, I've done a couple of things. I've done, I've studied, i continued my studies in education here in Switzerland. And then I worked in PR in an agency specialized in design and architecture. And after graduating the Executive Master of Science in Communications Management in Lugano, I was not necessarily looking for a career change or anything like that. But so it happened that a friend of mine tweeted that Evernote was looking for somebody in communications in Europe. Now, back then, Evernote was just an early-stage startup. You know, it was a small team. People here have no idea who Evernote was. I just happened to come across the tool, and I was using it extensively. I loved it. I was a passionate user. So for me, it seemed like, wow, I just want to be part of this. And um, interesting enough, you know, I reached out to Evernote, and because it's Silicon Valley, it's a different mentality, everything went really fast and they couldn't care less about my fancy diploma that I was just you know, proudly showing around to everybody. And they basically said, okay, so welcome, um, show us what you can do, right? We don't care about uh, whatever university you went on and whatever titles and so on and so forth, show us what you can do. So it's a can-do attitude and I embarked on this amazing journey because for the five years to come afterwards, Evernote grew to become a global company. Um, And it was a high impact entrepreneurship kind of experience that definitely marked me in so many different ways. And I was so lucky to be part of an amazing team and um, to collaborate and to work together on such amazing projects. Now, any normal person would say, okay, so... Now you had, the, you know, you became the general manager for Evernote in EMEA, you had a job you loved, you know, interesting projects, why decide to move on? And I felt that it was time to challenge myself, right? It was time to acknowledge the fact that Evernote was part of the journey. It was not necessarily the destination. And I felt I should just, again, go in a direction where something inside of me was telling me to go. And this was education. Now being a parent and being also part of the tech world, it is a topic that I was very much concerned with. And, you know, in a way frustrated with seeing the challenges we are facing in education and then asking myself, you know, what could we actually do? Because just complaining or, you know, acknowledging that we have challenges doesn't bring much. So what is it that we can do? So I decided to found We Are Lab as a nonprofit for-purpose organization with a mission to accelerate change in education. Now, this is a mission bigger than life, right? What, What does it mean? And the more I look into the topic, the more I realize that we should actually stop talking about education and start talking more about learning. Learning that is happening, not necessarily in a closed space, be it in a classroom or in a company, but learning that is happening everywhere and that is happening all the time and this idea of being a lifelong learner which I became along the way by design because I was a curious mind and I just you know felt that hey it's worth trying even though sometimes people would find it ridiculous they would not necessarily understand what you're doing they would say that you're not focused and so on and so forth just try to move ahead and ask yourself you know what is it that is really Interesting uh, for you. And um, lifelong learning is going to become essential for the future because things are moving and changing very fast, and it's going to, you know, be um, this change is going to accelerate in the future. So we have an interest to have this growth mindset. Uh, meaning that we believe that we can evolve and we can learn and uh, it is not by diplomas that we can prove that we have certain skills and abilities, but it is by trying things and by again being open. And um, yeah, founding We Are Play Lab is an adventure per se, because first of all, I had absolutely no experience in a nonprofit world. So just discovering that part, um, you know, learning on the job is fascinating. There are many things that need to be changed as well. But again, people see education as something that is almost impossible to change. I see it as an amazing opportunity. And I truly believe that in the years to come, this is the space where we will see most amazing things happening.
0: I love that. Now we already skipped a bit of a, a head, which is uh, totally okay because we're both entrepreneurs. We don't really know structure, <laughs> so that is perfect. So I love, um, and I love the way you look at education because I haven't met anyone out there that really looks at it that way. I mean, now actually you're talking about learning because education is this set thing in this classroom or in this company or something like that. But learning is something like, well, if I if I buy a new iPhone, even if I had another iPhone now, I need to learn how to use the new apps on there, right? So, but it has nothing really to do with education itself. This is, you know, just one example, but there's so many others in in the way we interact with pretty much everything, and especially for children now, where we're going to go into a little bit more in detail in a second. um, I find that incredibly inspiring because I'm I'm a dad as well. So I I can very, very appreciate this. Um, And I, you know, I see so many opportunities out there as well to redesign our world exactly for that experience. Um, And it's also not like, we need to completely change everything. Um, we can start with you know a couple of things, and they've been proven in the past as well. You know, people have been implementing certain really simple things that cost almost nothing that had a huge impact um, on the way people behave, on the way um, things were done at this place. So I'm very, very inspired by uh, your your mission, and you know we need more leaders in Switzerland who really, uh, not just in Switzerland, around the world, who really tackle things that matter you know to them and to the world to humanity um so and this is really one of those so tell me a bit more about um we are play lab um because obviously this is the thing that's most exciting to you right now so tell me a bit more about we are Play out so you you mentioned this beautiful mission you talked about this incredible way that the world should look like in the, in the future in practical terms um how do you how do you how do you go about breaking down this vision into some practical things that we can actually um, get done at one point.
1: So first of all, we are focusing on primary school education, primary school education, meaning also beyond school, but, you know, early childhood and uh, kids around 6 to 12 years old, because we believe that, again, Learning 21st century skills starts very early. So, if we intervene later on when people are, you know, 18 years or older, it's already too late. So, it starts really, really early. And we believe that this is where we can add more value. And as you say, on one side, we have a very strong vision. And on the other side, we execute on this vision by being on a mission to come up with effective and affordable convenient new ways to support parents, educators and communities to transmit 21st century skills to children. One of the things we strongly believe in, as you were saying before, it is a question of working together. And there's a huge disconnect in our society today because we tend to say that education, especially, you know, in a primary school context, is um, the school's job, right? So school should uh, make sure that they have the right curriculum, that they have the right teachers and so on and so forth. And um, we, we should just put the pressure and the blame on school. Whereas I strongly believe that we need to change our view of things and ask ourselves more, how can we, we as parents, we as educators, we as communities, we as society, come together and figure out new ways to empower our kids. Because at the end of the day, our children's education is the job of everybody. And especially after doing quite a few interventions now in schools, I think it's really important that we do not finger point teachers. They are doing an amazing job getting up, you know, every day and being there in a the classroom. It is one tough job. I would not be able, like I all my respect, because I would personally not be able to do what they are doing. And it's important to recognize their effort and to also realize that they need support. And I think this is where the magic can happen if we have um, a transfer of knowledge coming, you know, from the academia to entrepreneurs, to schools, and we start working together and figure out new ways because there are many things that we as entrepreneurs and from the startup world, we can support teachers with being in terms of mindsets or tools or a new approach to learning. And then there's also a lot of research amazing research that is just sitting, you know, out there and it's a pity not to use it, not to make it, or transform it into something very tangible. So our approach is, again, uh, research-based, so it is not me coming and saying, hey, you know, parents and educators, uh, listen to me, I found this amazing tool and we are going to fix education. So it's based, we don't have to reinvent the wheel, as you said, right? So we, we are working closely with researchers on the science of learning, people who have been dedicating their lives to studying and to learning about you know how do we best learn and and then also we work with people who are asking themselves are asking themselves what are we educating our children for because this is one important question are we educating our children for future employability are we educating them to become you know conscious um, happy fulfilled citizens of tomorrow living in a world where you know there is prosperity what are we educating for and based on that question and on those answers then we look into okay which are the skills that are needed for our kids to first of all fulfill their potential and then also come together and make sure that they live in a society that supports them and helps them going forward and I am particularly extremely excited because this is where technology can beautifully plug in when used correctly, and again, technology will not answer ethical questions for us. We will need to start with that, but once we figure that out, technology can help us deliver learning in ways unseen before in terms of personalized adaptive um, you know we, we can move beyond all the cliches we 've seen in the past where You know, even my son, when he was in the first grade, he came back home saying that, you know, mom, I'm not good at math. And it was like, what are you talking about? You're seven years old. You know, like, what are you? You're not good at math. And it's just different personalities or different, you know, different characters need need a different approach to things. And this is something with um, smart technology, uh, machine learning and so on and so forth, we will be able to deliver in the future. And Then there's also the aspect of opportunity, right? So I've seen uh, with myself, uh, my personal experience, and um, also when I was traveling uh, in different parts of the world. First of all, it's about opportunity. If you're not given the opportunity, how can you make it? How can you develop yourself? How can you develop your potential? So I think it is really important that we make sure that children, independently of their socioeconomic background, Have equal opportunity to learning and education. This is extremely important. And this is why, um, when we talk about our mission, it has to do with creating affordable and effective, convenient new ways that are available not to lucky few, but to as many as possible. And one last thing related to our mission has to do also with, um, you know, as you said, we tend to disregard the huge impact little steps taken every day can have, right? And if everybody, you know, like me and you and um, I know other parents, entrepreneurs, everybody is doing something on a daily basis, that's going to have a huge impact on the long run. I think we shouldn't underestimate that. So it's, it's not a question of waiting for the system to change. Of course, a systemic change is much needed, but at the same time, the grassroots approach, so... Every single one of us doing something about it and coming together and and trying to figure things out has a huge impact.
0: I love that. So, I mean, it's incredibly inspiring vision about what you're pursuing and how you go about it. And, and it's also, you know, um, it's it's very practical. It's research based. You're starting with the right questions and then you're diving into it. Um, and uh, I, it, like, I want to transition a little bit into the future talk, but more on practical, um, examples. So, um, if you could point out a couple of examples that we will most probably see in the future, near future, like five to 10 years or something like that, um, as the longest, how do you think technology is going to transform how we or, or, or our children learn with the interaction around us?
1: Yeah, so what we will see is if we look at schools and classrooms, this is something it's emerging right now, you know, when we are seeing a lot, um, the flipped classroom model where basically children will have access to content outside of the classroom. And then when they are in school, they will work together, they would build things together. And the, the the role of the teacher is becoming more to facilitate and moderate and be there to support them. So they are basically becoming owners of the learning process, which is magical. So you have great, um, examples out there, you know, it's the Khan lab school, um, in California, for example, where they mix kids of different ages and they take ownership of learning, you know? So again, it's a question of designing spaces where they, um, can experiment also early on with concepts like design thinking where it's about also prototyping and doing and seeing learning in real life. You know, what does mathematics mean actually when you look out of the window, you know, or when you work together with somebody and this is just fascinating. It's amazing. So schools are going to become these um, very vibrant collaborative maker like spaces. And I'm very excited about this. Um, evolution and then um, it also has to do with the fact and this is something that we pay attention to a lot these days again learning happening everywhere when we look at our cities today we need to ask ourselves what are uh, you know what are cities in terms of learning and education Um, when you are six years old and you stroll through the city what is your city teaching you You know, if we talk about 21st century skills, if we talk about collaboration and creativity, let's say, or critical thinking, when you are outside, what is happening? Because most of the, you know, efforts to reform education are pretty much focusing on the formal education system, which again is much needed. But most of the time our children spend when they are awake is actually outside school. So no matter, you know, how well and a great job we can do to reform schools and to transform them into really uh, fulfilling places. The truth of the matter is that children will be with their families, with their communities, in their cities. So again, it is becoming the job of the society and of communities in general to pay attention and to also ask themselves, okay, how can we, Foster those skills for the for the children in what they see every day, because you know if you are taught to collaborate and to care about your planet in the classroom and then you get out and you see all these uh, commercials uh, on how to you know fill the world with plastic, there's something wrong, so we need to um, to work together again to to create environments where children can actually be exposed to to learning and when I'm talking about learning I think we should not underestimate the power of play we believe in the power of playful learning this is how children learn best especially when you know they are young Um, it's um, it's really um, something very powerful we should let them and give them the space and the you know the permission to experiment because we can learn so much from them
0: absolutely and uh, you know and it's i find that interesting as well it's i maybe it's just me but i also feel i learn best when i play and you know maybe not with uh, you know with with toys but um uh, you know i mean what is a workshop really <laughs> You know if it's done well, well actually you get to play and you get to have fun and you get to do really creative things right so I find that really inspiring, really interesting and also for me, what I thought about is this whole new concept about you know smart cities for example, for me when in this conversation smart cities has a has a whole new meaning now because it's not just about the uh the assets or the devices or the stuff in the city becoming smart, but it's actually the city being enabler for smart and um, i find that very very interesting so maybe let's quickly talk about this a little bit smart cities i mean is there is there some way you plug into this smart city thing or
1: yeah so we are actively looking into that and we share the same opinion learning and 21st century learning should be part of a smart city agendas we are Having a few discussions and pilot projects around this topic, and we truly believe that there's a need for policymakers and for cities to start asking themselves how are we empowering future citizens and how are we creating spaces where people don't just consume but also create? Because going back to what you were saying before. Uh, Play means unleashing your creativity, right? And this is something when you're doing design thinking workshops, uh, sometimes you have adults who have a problem to to start, you know, playing, playing, uh, working with Legos and prototyping because they perceive this as non-serious, as something that uh, is not going to add value. But once they get into it and they realize that, being able to free your mind to be creative because creativity is in every single one of us. It's not like uh, you know people say, oh, I'm not creative. Well, it's a question of practicing and making the space and giving yourself the possibility to express it and so on and so forth. Once that is happening, we know, also in terms of innovation, in terms of figuring out new ways uh, to redesign organizations, this is where the magic happens.
0: Absolutely agree. Now, uh, going quickly back to the smart city thing, Are there some practical or what are some practical applications, for example, in a smart city that would really create an environment of learning?
1: We have been looking at different things. One of the researchers that we are collaborating with. Um, is um, Dr. Kathy hirsch She has been from the Temple University. She's also a senior fellow at the Brookings Institution. She has been researching this topic for quite some time and also launching uh, and being part of a global initiative around transforming cities into learning landscapes. They had a few projects launched um, in the um, in U.S. where they were looking at transforming supermarkets, for example, in learning opportunities or playgrounds, you know, so the pick of playground is probably the low hanging fruit, because if we are looking at playgrounds today, I think it's okay when, you know, you're, you're uh, maybe up to six years old, but what happens afterwards, you know, what, what is a playground going to give you? And, um, There's a lot of work to be done on that front, and there's a lot of opportunities, so we are definitely looking um, into that part. And again, how can you plug into the city's existing infrastructure? So it's not necessarily trying to build super sophisticated installations to attract people to go there, but how do you capture people's attention during their everyday flow and life? You know that's um, this is something that we are hands on, and um, there are many different possibilities. Again, it's a question for us. It is not uh, our mission is not to try to figure out, um, you know, um, a product that we we can sell everywhere. Um, we our main um, goal is impact. So we want to be able to design interventions and experiences that help. Our young citizens experience 21st-century skills and learn them in their daily environment.
0: Yeah, I, I I love that. It's really interesting how I mean, obviously the playground. It's almost like right now it's, it's a dumb playground, and it will transform into a more smart playground. Uh, but you're absolutely right. I mean, uh, even now most of the playgrounds are empty, which is pretty sad. You know, because I mean, do you know. Uh, they're just on their phones and on their laptops and iPads and everything. And, you know, so many people are just like complaining and go like, Oh, it used to be so different in the old days, you know, and, and, and kids are so messed up these days with all the devices. Well, well, that's a viewpoint. <laughs> Another viewpoint is, well, are things fit for the 21st century or not? <laughs> and, uh, I find that a, a very interesting discussion there. Now, um, in terms of the, um, in staying, staying on this topic, um, what are some of the key things that you feel need to change or need to happen in the next couple of years uh, for this to be embraced by cities, people, governments? I mean, the key stakeholders, right?
1: Yeah. The question we ask ourselves every day is how might we re- re-engineer 21st century education, right? And for all this time, there's one answer coming back to us namely that it is not so much about technology re-engineering 21st century education is all about re-engineering mindsets it is really about mindsets right so it's really being able and our mission is to to go out there and to show people what is possible because There is a will to change. People all acknowledge the fact that there's a huge disconnect. We are still living based on this legacy from the post-industrial revolution and we need to do something about it. I think it's not a question of convincing people that change is needed, but it's more a question of supporting them by showing them tangible activities and things that they can actually do to change something, right? So this is where we come in. And as an interdisciplinary group, because again, I think it's high time to to bring collaboration on many different levels so again it's not only researchers or it's not only engineers it's not only designers but it's a group of different people and different competencies coming together and figuring out okay what could have an impact and then testing it and then you know getting evidence and then um, working together with the key stakeholders I think this is how we can do something about it and Mindsets, so changing mindsets, be it in an organization or in a community or in society, as you know, um, starts with inspiring people, you know, motivating them and showing them that some extraordinary things can happen by doing very little things on a daily basis.
0: I, I, I love that. Now, I want to talk a little bit, because I can, like, maybe to explain why I want to talk about this. Um I can... I can understand it's like people watching this and go like, this is amazing. Now I want to be able to, in some shape or form, be able to um, help accelerate this, help move this forward. I mean, what are some of the steps I can take? So one, one, one question I have, like in the next two or three years, what are sort of the key things that you, you guys want to accomplish, that you want to get done?
1: Mm-hmm. So again, we are not trying to develop one magical product or intervention if you want we are an incubator of ideas ourselves so what we do is that we develop a portfolio of different possible interventions that we test at small scale and when proven that they can have an impact we scale them up right and um, this is our approach and i think you know being an entrepreneur having worked in startups um this is the best way in terms of you know just getting out there early on and you know make sure that things can actually uh, work and have an impact two three years down the line it's about building um a strong global community for me the idea is not to do things in isolation again i think we don't have to reinvent the wheel every time there's best practice out there in the world and sometimes it's coming from the most unexpected places. We are, for example, in collaboration with 100.org in Finland and we have some projects um, down the, the pipeline for the next years. But again, Finland is, as everybody knows, in terms of primary education, one of the innovators. Now we see best practice emerging from Africa and this is something not to be underestimated. And it's important to work together globally, you know, so of course, again exchanging um collaborating and then you need to execute locally for sure that that is the only way and even more so in education because um look at switzerland uh, it's so decentralized and you almost have to work individually with every single school because at the end of the day you know it's a lot of um i think um just you know in terms of Making sure that that you get people excited, you, it's not a top-down approach, you know. So you have to have interventions that reach to different schools and different people everywhere. Um, so our our wish would be for the next two three years to have a strong global community where, first of all, we also allow people to contribute. So one of, of the things is, as you say, um, you know, people are excited. They ask themselves, okay, this is great. Uh, sounds very inspiring. I want to be part of it. So we have to be able to create a structure that allows them to know what to do. How can I contribute? Right now, for us, I think the most important thing is funding because we are non-profit and um, it's... Not necessarily easier to raise money if you're a nonprofit. So, um, any donation, um, any financial support is more than welcome, especially at this stage where we are piloting different initiatives. And down the line, there's going to be, and we are looking into ways of tapping into a community of volunteers and, and working with a core team to scale up all the initiatives that are proven to be successful.
0: I love that. I, I love this idea as well, it's, you know, almost like crowdsource and be able to create a platform, because I think that's also in terms of global collaboration. That's something that is so missing. Um, Obviously, large companies have a huge problem embracing that, but also in any place, even startups and everywhere. I mean, crowdsourcing is this really interesting buzzword, really interesting thing. Nobody really knows exactly what to do with it. Um, But I find that incredibly interesting because I mean, in today's day and age where there are no more borders, no more limitations in terms of where people are, how people work and everything, um, all you really need from people um, is the emotional buy-in and then give them the structure. And I love that you guys pursue that because um, that allows an organization like yours to really scale up without having to control everything, but you're able to become a movement I find that incredibly interesting. So um, when people say, okay, this is, uh, this, this, uh, I want to I wanna do something with you guys, uh, donate or just, you know, help you, support you, whatever. Uh, what's the best place for people to go to right now and connect with you, learn more about We Are Play Lab? What are some of the best places there?
1: We have an online platform. If you go, um, it's wap.rocks. WAP rocks, WAP from We Are Play Lab, or you can try weareplaylab.net, it's going to lead you to the same place. And um, this is the best place to connect with us because, you know, this is where we publish our initiatives and um, you'll, you'll see that you have also the possibility to connect then with the group on Facebook and so on and so forth. So I think that's the best place to go going back to this idea of uh, crowdsourcing, it's also about open source, something that I want to add to what I've said before, the way we are developing our initiatives and our products, we want to have an open source approach, you know, so it's again, it's not us uh, being the ones telling people, hey, again, like this is the magical product, you just take it and plug it in and everything is perfect. We believe in the power of Human creativity across cultural, geographical borders. And we want to ensure that people have the possibility to plug in their ideas to whatever it is that we are building. I think that's the most effective way to tackle this important challenge we have uh, in education.
0: Absolutely. I believe that is very, very much key. So that's great. So uh, thank you so much, Christina, for being on the show, for sharing wisdom, your insights, your uh, vision, which is very, very strong. And um, yeah, for doing what you do. Thank you so much.
1: My pleasure and super excited. I'm very happy to have had a chance to talk to you. And for anybody interested, don't hesitate to reach out. You also find me on LinkedIn and Twitter. Just don't hesitate. Thank you so much.
0: Thanks for listening to The Aligned Leader. If you enjoyed this episode, make sure you subscribe so you get full access all the newly released episodes every Wednesday. Do you have any topics that you would like us to cover? Then send us an email to daniel at leadersbridge.org and we'll work on it. And if you'd like to learn more about our initiatives, for example, like the CEO Collaboration Day, head over to leadersbridge.org.